This week's Pasha, Pasha's Emar, we have the discussion, one of the Torah's discuss, discussions of the Yom Tovim. The Torah discusses Pesach. And then it says that around Pesach time, you bring the carbon Omer. You cut the, the harvest in the spring, and then you bring Omer. Omer is the name of the carbon. Omer is a measurement of volume, but it's the name of this carbon, the carbon Omer, brought from an Omer of grain. And the Torah says, you bring it. When do you bring it? So the Torah writes this carbon in between Pesach and Shavuos, but the Torah doesn't tell you a 100% clear date. The Torah says, you bring this carbon when? Mimachras HaShabbos, from the day after Shabbos. The Torah tells you how you do it, bring animals along with it, and then, of course, the Torah tells you the Easter of Chadash, the prohibition of eating new grain until the carbon omer is brought, so that, that's the Isra of Chadash, which historically was practiced, and still is practiced in Eretz Yisrael, and Chutzlaretz for various reasons, in Ashkenazi countries, in the United States today. Many people are lenient about Chadash. It's uh, diff- difficult to understand exactly why. More and more people today have become strict about it. But in any event, in Chutzlaretz, there is some basis for leniency, but the Torah says you cannot eat the new grain until the Karban Omer is brought. Then the next section in the parasha says, Sfiris Omer. It says, Again, uh, another reference to Machras HaShabbos. You start counting from Machras HaShabbos, which is the day you brought the Omer. So from the carbon Omer, which, is, which was brought on Machras HaShabbos, you start counting Sfiris HaOmer, Sfira from the carbon Omer, from Machras HaShabbos, seven weeks, Sheva Shabbosos Tmimos Tiena, until when? Until Machras HaShabbos Hashvias, until the... The seventh Machras HaShabbos, a week is seven days, so if you start counting on Machras HaShabbos, you count, and you count seven weeks, then the conclusion of that is seven Machras HaShabbos is later, count 50 days, and then you celebrate Shavuos. Torah doesn't use the word Shavuos there, but it says that you bring the Karban, the Shtalechem, you bring other Karbanos, and that's the Yantif that we call Shavuos. So the Torah says, you have Pesach, you bring the Karban HaOmer on Machras HaShabbos, you count seven times seven, seven times seven days, seven weeks. Then you bring the from Machras Shabbos until Machras Shabbos. Then you have Shavuos, where you bring other karbanos, and you have a Yom Tov. There was an ancient machlokus between the Chachamim, the Rabbanim, the the Chachmei Mishnah, and the Gemara, and the Baitusim. The Baitusim were a sectarian group related to the Tzedukim often used interchangeably. Already in the time of the second base of Mikdash, when they were still offering karbanos, there was a major machlokas between the Chachamim, the Prushim, and the Tzedukim and the Baitusim, how to interpret this somewhat ambiguous phrase of Mimachras HaShabbos. The Baitusim understood that Mimachras HaShabbos, Shabbos meant what it usually means, Shabbos Bereshis, what we call today Saturday. So Machras HaShabbos means Sunday. So you would you would find Pesach is seven days. So there's, there's exactly one, one and only one Shabbos that falls out on Pesach. So you take that Shabbos, you bring the carbon Omer Mimachras Shabbos on Sunday, the Sunday that falls after the Shabbos that falls on Pesach, and then you start counting 49 days from then. And on the 50th day, you celebrate Shavuos. Shavuos always falls out on a Sunday. On, on, Shavuos always falls out on a, on, a, on a Sunday, according to this, uh, because the... Because fifty days later is the same. Fifty days later is the same. Uh, the same day as the original date. 
That's the sheet of the Baitusim that you, st- that you bring in the carbon armor on a Sunday, you start counting sphere on a Sunday, Shavuos falls out on a Sunday. The Chachamim disagreed. The Chachamim said, Machras Shabbos. Shabbos here means the first day of Yom Tov, the first day of Pesach is Mikra Kodesh. That's what we mean by Shabbos here. Machras Shabbos means the second day of Pesach. In the particular case where Pesach falls on a, Pesach falls on a Shabbos, then in that year, then the, the, the Baitusim and the Chum would agree that you bring the Omer on the second day of Pesach. But if the first day of Pesach falls on any other day, then according to the Chachamim, you nevertheless bring the carbon Omer on the second day of Pesach, the first day of Cholomoid. Today, because it's Fekir Diyoma, it's the second day of Yom Tov, but really it's the second day of Pesach, which is the first day of Cholomoid. And the Baitusim, they said that it's always Shabbos mean, Shabbos Bereshis, so you always bring the carbon Omer on, the, on, the, on Sunday, and you start counting Sphira from then. So obviously, it stands to, stands to reason that they counted Sphira, their Sphira Saomer is off by hours, typically by a few days. And they celebrate Shavuos on a different day. They would celebrate Shavuos often several days later from where, from, from our Masara, the Masara of the Chachamim, that says Machros Shabbos means the second day of Pesach. This Machlokas actually is one of the oldest, longest running disputes in Halacha in Jewish history. This is still a Machlokas today. The Baitusim <coughs> are not around anymore. The Tzedukim and Baitusim <coughs> faded away and were lost to history. However, they had spiritual heirs. In the time of the Gaonim and the Rishonim, a group arose called the Karaites, in Hebrew called the Karaim, or the Balei Mikra. <coughs> they were a group that shared many of the same ideas as the Tzedukim and Baitusim. People sometimes simplify, oversimplify, by saying that the, they didn't believe in Tarsh Valpeh, they only believed in Tarsh Bachsav. Which is maybe a little bit of an oversimplification. The, the bottom line is that they, they did venerate Tarsh Bachsav. They did not accept the Mesora that we have of Tarsh Valpeh. They had their own ways of interpreting Tarsh Bachsav. The, the, Gemara, the Gemara relates a a, a number of disagreements between the Tzedukim and Baitusim and the Chachamim. They include this one, they include whether you, whether, we're learning Yoma now and Dafyomi, it includes whether you, whether you, whether you ignite the Ketaris outside the Kodesh Kedoshim or inside the Kodesh Kedoshim, that's why they would have to make the Kohen Gadol swear that he would follow the, they would follow the, the Prushi interpretation, that he, that he wouldn't be a Tzeduki infiltrator. And there are, there are a number of other examples that they didn't believe in Nisa Chamayim. Nisa Chamayim doesn't state on circus, isn't mentioned, the, the libation of water isn't mentioned in the Torah anywhere. They didn't believe in Nisa Chamayim. So they, they had a variety of differences, and the Karayim, who were a plague upon the, the Jewish community in the medieval, in the Gaonic and medieval periods, they also had a similar approach that they believed in Tarash Shabbat but they did not accept our version of Tarash Shabbat the Gaonim engaged them in argument, the Rishonim did. The Karayim used to be a major force, just like the Tzedukim were in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, the Karayim for hundreds of years, down through the time of the Beis Yosef in the 16th century, the Karayim were a major competitor in power and influence to the, the Prushim. Over the centuries, though, they faded away. There still are Karayim today, however, and they still believe, they still follow the ancient Baitusi interpretation, 2,000 years old, they still believe that Machras HaShabbos is the day is the day after Shabbos, Bereshis, which is Sunday. They have a different Shavuos than we do. You can read the, the website of the 
world Karai Jewry. They call themselves Yadus Hakara'it Olamit. You can Yadus Hakara'it Olamit. They have an explanation of what, of how they interpret Machrus Shabbos and how it differs from the mistaken interpretation of the Rabbanim. And this is one, therefore one of the longest-running disputes in halacha. It began 2,000 years ago, more than 2,000 years ago, during Bayasheni, and it still, it still is not totally settled. There still are Karaites who believe that Machrus HaShabbos means Sunday. The Talmud, the Mishnah relates, the Mishnah mentions this Machlokas briefly. The Mishnah says in Menachos that when they used to harvest the grain for the Omer, they would do so with a great deal of fanfare, a great deal of pomp and circumstance, it says they would, uh, they, they, would they, they would invite people from the nearby cities, they would have an Asa Gadol, they would have a great commotion and fanfare, and then it says that each step that they took, that the Shliach Basin took to do the Omer, they would, uh, they, they would announce it out loud, they would say, did the sun set, Baha Shemesh, they would say yes, Baha Shemesh, yes, three times, Is they would say, uh, shall I use the sickle to, to cut the grain, they would say yes, shall I use the sickle, yes, they would denounce everything three times. They would make a huge commotion about it, a huge fuss. And the Mishnah says, why do they do all this? Because we want to repudiate the Baitusim. They said, the Baitusim said, We don't generally cut the Omer and bring the Omer on Matzah Yantif. We do it on Matzah Shabbos. And only if Shabbos happens to be Yantif, then we do it on Matzah Yantif. But in general... They did not accept that the Omer was generally cut on the second day of Pesach, on Matzah Yom Tov. We want to show that they're wrong. We're cutting the Omer publicly. We're making a public demonstration. The Omer is cut and offered on Matzah Yom Tov, on the first day of Chalamoe, the second day of Pesach. We want to publicly, we want to publicly, uh, publicly repudiate the opinions of the Baitusim. The Gemara brings a Brisa. It says there were certain days which were minor Yom Tovim, because great things happened on those days. You can't fast on those days. You can't have Hesper on those days. So, and it gives a couple of examples of days where the event that we celebrate were victories that we somehow had over the, over the Baitusim. So one of them was that one group of days was, it says, They established the, the correct date for the Yom Tov of Shuas, and therefore they made a Takana not to have Hesper. So it doesn't say exactly how they established it, what happened to the Baitusim, where did they go, what happened to those Tadukim. It doesn't say exactly what happened, but the, the Gemara then goes at great length and discusses the debates between the Chacham and the Baitusim. It records, uh, it records an actual debate that they had, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and, and, and one of the Baitusim. Then the Gemara goes on, the Gemara lists, how did the Chachamim know? The Gemara implicitly acknowledges that Machrus HaShabbos, according to the opinion of the Chachamim, is an unusual interpretation that means Yantif air, the day after Yantif. So, how does the Chum decide to interpret it like that? So, the Gemara brings a couple of Brysis with several different opinions in each Brysa of several different Tanoim about different forms of Drusha, of how the Chum knew that Machrus Shabbos does not mean Sunday here. It brings 10 different, ten different Drushas, 10 different arguments by different Tanoim. Some, some Tanoim had more than one of how we know that Machrus HaShabbos means the day after Yom Tov. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Yudim ben Beseyer number one, Rabbi Yosef ben Yehuda number one, Rabbi Yudim ben Beseyer number two, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi number two, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. Ten different explanations. 
We're not going to get into the details, but ten different explanations of how we know that Machras HaShabbos is not Sunday. And not only that, the Gemara recognizes that not all these, not all these arguments are equally persuasive. At the end of the Sugya, Rava says, Kulu Islu Pircha, except for two opinions in one b'risa and two opinions in the other b'risa. Out of these ten proofs, six of them are actually debatable. Four of them are compelling, he said. He goes through each one, explains what, what, the, what the counter-arguments are, and so on. So the Gemara recognizes this was an epic controversy between the Chacham and the Baitusim. The Chacham produced no fewer than ten different arguments for their position, a number of which are not compelling. But this was Machlokas, again, in the time of the Mishnah, between the Chacham and the Baitusim. This Machlokas lasted 2,000 years, and even in our time, there are still sectarians, there are still heretics who believe that Machras Shabbos means the day after Shabbos Bereshis, Sunday. Of course, that is not what the Torah means. We know, we count Svira, we count, uh, we celebrate Shavuos, based on their interpretation that Machras Shabbos means the day after the first day of Yom Tov, not the day after Shabbos Bereshis. I recently saw a very interesting paragraph by Rabbi Ephraim of Buna, one of the Rishonim. He relates that Rabbi Tam was once asked, why do we make a bracha on Sfira Saomer? Every night we count Sfira Saomer, we make a bracha. The Torah said it was Fartim Lachem. You should count an Arab Pasha. Mitzvah to count Sfira, we make a bracha. Great. So they asked Rabbeinu Tam, there are other cases in the Torah where a person is supposed to count something, and we don't make a bracha. The example he gives is various types of people who are Tameh, a Zav, a Zava, a Yoledes, a Mitzorah. These types of Tmeim also have a mitzvah to count a certain number of days before they can become Tar. A woman, before she goes to the mikvah, she counts seven clean days. Really, a, really, a woman, a normal woman is a nida who doesn't need seven clean days, but uh, she just needs to wait seven days from the onset of the period. But uh, there's also a type of tumah called ziva, which requires seven clean days. Today, the ancient minhag, the Benos Yisrael, going back to the, the Gemara, the minhag is we treat all our women as zava, so they count seven clean days. So also, it says v'safrala, a woman is supposed to count. So how come the kasha of the Rishonim is, how come Sfiris Omer, the Torah says, you're supposed to count 49, 50 days, that we count out loud, verbally, with the Hebrew formula, we make a bracha. And how come when it comes to the other Sfiris, the Sfir of Tumah, the Sfir of Ziva, the woman does not count, or maybe she counts, but she doesn't make a bracha. Minigiz, most women don't count formally either. They keep track with the calendar, however they keep track, but they don't, make a, they don't count like Sfiris Omer. So what's the difference? The way they asked Rabbeinu Tam, they asked about the bracha, how come we don't make the bracha? So he says, Rabbi Ephraim of Buna says, I, I, I wasn't told what Rabbeinu Tam answered, but he says he's going to offer his own answer. His own answer is, he says, the reason we make a much bigger deal at a Sfiris Omer, we make a bracha on Sfiris Omer, is it is to refute the Tzedukim. The Tzedukim say that we count Mimachras HaShabbos from Shabbos Bereshis. So that's why the Rabbanan made elevated Sfira and gave a bracha on it, to show that Lefarsume, to publicly demonstrate that, uh, that we do not follow that, that we count for Machras Yom Tov. And he says, there are other cases in Chazal where we find the Chazal deliberately instituted certain things, specifically as a refutation of the, of the Tzedukim. He quotes the Gemara in Chagiga. Our mission itself says, our mission itself wasn't talking about a bracha, but it says that they would deliberately ask all these questions out loud and repeat them solely for the purpose of refuting the Baitusim, the Kolkach Lama, Lahotzi Miliban Shalabaitusim. 
So the Rabbi Ephraim Rabuna is, apparently said the same thing about Svirus Elmer. The reason the Chum said you should make a bracha is to, is to, is to rebut the, the Baitusim who said that we count from Shabbos Bereshus. This question, to digress slightly, this question of why we, don't, why we count a bracha on Svir, make a bracha on Svirus Elmer, we don't make a bracha on Svirus Ziva, this question was also asked by, also appears in other versions of Tosus. Tosus on this Gemara Menachus deal, deals with this question. Tosus in Tosus and Ksuvus deals with this question of why why we don't uh, make a bracha on Sfira Zava. So Tosus gives various answers of why we don't why, of, of, of various answers of why we don't do it. Some say we don't do it because in case she sees more dam, she has to start counting again since she can't be confident that she'll make the whole Sfira. It's not up to her. She doesn't make the bracha. We should not give various reasons for why we don't make the bracha. So there is a fascinating machlokis. We show him and achronim how to understand how to understand this. Some we some some we and certainly achronim seems to understand for a woman to count seven clean days is actually a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah that you don't make a bracha on. It's a mitzvah just like Sfirah Elmer. You don't make a bracha on it because maybe she'll see dam and she'll have to start counting again, or for other reasons. But it's a mitzvah. The most famous proponent of this view is the Shla. The Shla is an interesting sefer. The Shla is Shnei Luchas Abris, Rabbi Yeshaya Horowitz, 400 years ago. The Shla was one of the outstanding postkim of his generation, one of the greatest Polish postkim of his time, of any time. And his sefer, however, the, the sefer Shla, is a mixture of classic halacha along with hashkafa and chasidus. He was known as a great chasid, not you know, chasid in the traditional sense of someone who was... Uh, the Shla is full of Kabbalah, it's full of Musr, it's full of Hashkafa and Midrash, and it's also full of Halacha. And it's very hard to untangle sometimes in the Shla when he writes something, to what extent is it Chasidus or Chumra or, or Precious, and to what extent is it actual Din. In this particular case, the Shla writes, based on Tosfus, a woman has a mitzvah say to count Shiva Nikim. She doesn't make a bracha for the reasons Tosfus gives, but she has to count Sphira, just like Sphira Saomer. She counts with a nusach. He says he told his own wife she should count Hayom Yom Rishon Lesfiras Livuni. This is the first of my days of counting my uh, my, tar- my my days of cleanliness. Other Akronim say the same thing. Some Rishonim seem to say this. Other Akronim say the same thing. Chachmas Adam. The Chachmas Adam is uh, is the quintessential halacha sefer before the Mishnah Brewer. That was one of the classic uh, in Lithuania. That was one of the classic guidebooks to practical halacha. He writes the right thing to do is. You should verbally count each day. A woman should count out loud, formally count each day. The minig is not like that. Rabbi Forrest, in his book on Hilchas Nida, he quotes various Rishonim and Akronim. He says the minig is not like this. He quotes uh, a witticism of the Nod Behuda. Nod Behuda rejects the Shla and says you don't have to count verbally. He says, not without humor, as Rabbi Forrest says, that the Shla, due to his great saintliness, his great Hasidus, he wanted to mizaka women with extra mitzvahs. He wanted to give them extra mitzvahs. We gave them a new mitzvah of counting, uh, counting seven clean days. It's an interesting question, Lahalacha, what should a woman do? It's not the minhag. A major post can like the Shulchan Aruch, don't bring it. On the other hand, it's cheap. There's no cost associated with it. It's very easy to do. It doesn't require uh, any expense, any, any commitment of time and effort. So why not do it? I've heard some Rabbanim do instruct their wives to do it, at least privately. It can't hurt. It's a mitzvah going to some poskim. The, the consensus, I think, is most people don't. But it's an interesting question. And getting back to our sugyur, Ephraim of Buna says that the, 
Rabbi Ephraim Abuna says that the reason the Umsakin a bracha at least on Sfirah Sa'omer and not on Sfirah Zava is because really it shouldn't have a bracha. Not sure why, but he assumes that in principle it would not have a bracha, except for the fact that they were Umsakin the bracha, Lahotsimi Liban, Shalatadukim, and Shalabaitusim. Now, there's a similar idea. A similar idea is bandied about that Chazal, that, that there's a bracha that we say, which was instituted. Uh, as a public repudiation of the Karaites, and that occurs in the context of the mitzvah of Hadlokas Ner Shabbos. We mentioned earlier that the Karaites were the spiritual heirs of the Baitusim, the Tzedukim. There's no direct line, rigorous historical connection between them. The Tzedukim were a thousand years earlier, but it, it was a common idea both among, the, both among the, our tradition, our Masorah of the Rabbanim, as well as among, among the Karaites themselves, to assume that they were a continuation of the Tzedukim. And we know certain things, there were certain opinions that they shared, like Machras HaShabbos. One opinion that we do not know that whether they shared or not is perhaps the, mo- the most famous, one of the most famous opinions of the Karaites. And that is, we know from the Gaonim and the Rishonim, that the Karaites did not have any fire burning in their house on Shabbos. The Karaites understood that when the Torah says, Lo sevaru eish you count, you shall not kindle a fire in all your habitations on the Sabbath day, the Karaites understood it doesn't matter when you light it. You can't have any fire burning on Shabbos. They would sit in the cold and the dark, and they would eat cold food, and they would not have any fire in their house on Shabbos. We know, of course, that that's not what the Torah means. We light Nehra's Shabbos. We light 18 minutes before Shabbos, and it burns for a couple of hours into Shabbos. We have our chalent. We, we leave the stove on. We leave the oven on. We leave the crackpot on. We leave our incandescent lights on. We leave our boiler on to, to heat our home. We know, of course, that we can't light fires on Shabbos, but there's nothing wrong with having a fire burning. It's only the act of kindling the fire that's also on Shabbos. There's nothing wrong with, uh, with having a fire burning as long as it was lit before Shabbos. Now, we don't actually know whether the Tzedukim had this attitude as well. The, most of what we know about the Tzedukim apparently comes from the Talmud. The Talmud never refers to, the Talmud never refers to such a custom of the Tzedukim not to have fires on Shabbos. I, I remember a number of years ago, my, my first introduction to the fact that the Karaites and the Tzedukim were really separate groups was, uh, was I, I saw someone made the claim, a, a, uh, a, a non-Orthodox writer made the claim, he quoted a, a Haredi Parsha newsletter that said that, that the Tzedukim wouldn't have any fire burning in their house on Shabbos, and this uh, conservative Jewish writer said, oh, he, 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 he noted dryly, he was amused to see that the Haredim have come around to an idea that was first proposed by Abraham Geiger, the, the nefarious founder of the Reform Movement. So I was very confused. I mean, I know the Karaites don't have fire on Shabbos. That, that's a Chiddush, that the Tzedukim didn't have fire on Shabbos. So I asked my friends, my erudite friends, and they explained to me that the Karaites and the Tzedukim are two different groups. We know, of course, the Karaites didn't have fire on Shabbos. We don't know anything about the Tzedukim. Geiger was the first one to suggest, apparently, that the Tzedukim also, seems like a pretty obvious suggestion, a kind of uh, a very natural thing to assume, but Geiger apparently was the first one to propose this, and it's often assumed by later thinkers that the Tzedukim also wouldn't have fire on Shabbos, but the group that we know didn't have fire on Shabbos was the Karaites. They were a group that seems to have arisen during the Gaonic period. They, were, they flourished during the Gaonic and medieval periods, and again, they're still around today. So there is an idea that floats around various Jewish sources that the reason we make a bracha of, of Lahadlik Ner Shal Shabbos, that this bracha is not mentioned anywhere in Chazal, 
the idea of lighting Nero Shabbos is mentioned in Chazal, but the idea of making a bracha of Lahadlik Nero Shabbos is actually not mentioned until the time of the Gaonim. So there's an idea that appears in various Jewish sources that the bracha was established in the Gaonic period, maybe even the entire mitzvah of Adlachas Nero Shabbos was established for this reason, but uh, the, the suggestion is that the bracha of Lahadlik Nero Shabbos was established by the Gaonim about 1,200 years ago or so as part of an anti-Karite polemic. Rav Gon wrote an entire work called Ner Shel Shabbos, which was written as a refutation of the Karites. The Karites said, lighting Shabbos candles is usher. Not only is it not a mitzvah, it's usher. You can't have Shabbos candles. We know, of course, Ner, Ner Shabbos, Ner Shel Shabbos is a symbol of Jewish observance, that it's one of the iconic ways in which we, uh, mitzvahs that we do associated with Shabbos, we light Shabbos candles. And Rav wrote an entire work that, that was lost for a while, it was rediscovered in the Geniza. Ibn Ezra mentions it briefly, but we, we have rediscovered at least parts of it, and that, that he wrote an entire work devoted to rebutting the, the Karite prohibition of lighting Ne'er Shal Shabbos. So some suggest that the reason we make Lahadlik Ne'er Shal Shabbos is, was in, that, that bracha was instituted as a, as, a, as a repudiation of the doctrines of the Karites. This idea has uh, somewhat, uh, somewhat dubious sources, the first one to propose this was Isaac Hirschweiss. Isaac Hirschweiss was a prominent masculine thinker in the 19th century. He wrote a uh, profoundly influential book called Dar Dar Vidarshov that was a, an, early, an early modern history of Tarash Balpeh from the Haskalah perspective. It was, uh, it was much disapproved of by the traditional thinkers. It, it was not a traditional view of Tarash Balpeh. It was a kind of modern academic a uh, skeptical uh, view toward Tarsh Balpet. And so Isaac Hirschweiss, who is not exactly a, uh, a person in good standing in the firm community, he said that, uh, he suggested that the, it seems quite plausible that the reason the bracha was instituted, it was a Gaonic institution as a, as, as a tactical step, as a polemic against the Karaites. There are various other Jewish thinkers who propose similar ideas. Rabbi Yaakov Sapir. Rabbi Yaakov Sapir was, a, was an interesting figure, a, a Talmud Chacham who lived in the 19th century, a traveler. He traveled all over, all over the world and collected uh, minhagim and uh, traditions. He saw various Jewish communities. Very interesting figure. I don't know that much about him, but he was apparently a colorful and interesting thinker. And he writes also, he suggests that the entire mitzvah, not just the bracha, but the entire mitzvah of Adlachas Ner Shabbos, was instituted as a polemic against the Tzedukim, against the Karaites. They would sit in the dark. They, they understand that you can't have any fire in your house on Shabbos. And against them, Chazal instituted the mitzvah of Hadlachas Ner Shabbos at, to show that they're wrong. You're allowed to have fire on Shabbos as long as you don't light the fire on Shabbos. That is fine. So this idea, which doesn't have uh, solid support in our tradition, it was speculation by Maskilim or... Uh, various other uh, enlightened and uh, slightly off-the-beaten-path thinkers in the, in the 19th century. A, a fascinating discussion about this erupted in, uh, in, in our time, 10, 20 years ago. It erupted in, in the context of a controversy within the Yemenite community. The Yemenite community had a widespread custom. They made a bracha of Lahadlik Ne'er Shal Shabbos. They did not make a bracha Lahadlik Ne'er Shal Yom Tov. On Yom Tov, they would not make a bracha. Not all Yemenites, some Yemenites did, but many or most Yemenites apparently did not make a bracha of Lahadlik Ner Shal So within the community of Yemenite Torah scholars, 
a great debate arose over whether that was correct or not. Entire Tzvarim were written arguing uh, what, the, what the correct, uh, authentic, and legitimate Yemenite custom is. So, in the course of this, in the course of this polemic, in the course of this debate about whether, you, whether Yemenite should or should not make the bracha of the Halak Nershel Yom Tov, one of the many arguments, this is a relatively minor corner of the discussion, one of the many arguments that was suggested for why there were, for one, many reasons that were suggested for why you would not make a bracha of Lahadlik Ner Shal Yamtov is based on this idea that we just said. If we assume that the bracha of Lahadlik Ner Shal Shabbos was instituted as anti karite polemic, so that makes sense on Shabbos. On Shabbos, you're not allowed to light a fire on Shabbos, and the Karaites were super strict about that. They would not even have a fire burning in their house that was lit before Shabbos to show that they're wrong and that we, we could light a fire before Shabbos. We light Shabbos candles and make a bracha. But on Yom Tov, Melacha Vochel Nefesh is mutter. You're allowed to light fire on Yom Tov. We don't light a fire from scratch. We, we turn up fires and we, we, we transfer from one to another, but we don't light fresh fires. But the, the Isra Daraisa of Lo Suvaru Eish does not apply on Yom Tov. Therefore, it would make no sense to have any kind of anti karite polemic on Yom Tov. And therefore, according to this reason, that the bracha of Lahadlik Ner Shal, Shal Shabbos was instituted as an anti karite polemic, it would make a lot of sense that there they make a lot of sense that there uh, is no such bracha on Yom Tov. And this, this, this svara was advanced by, by, by a number of the, of the Yemenite Chachamim in support of, of their minhag. Rabbi Yitzchak Ratzabi, one of, the, one of the great Yemenite scholars of our generation, he says, according to Rabbi Yaakov Sapir, if he's correct, that, that the bracha was, uh, that the whole hadlaka was anti karat polemic, it would make sense that on Yom Tov that doesn't apply. Because, uh, be, because, they, because they light, uh, the Karaites do light fires on Yom Tov. However, he notes that this wouldn't really be a sufficient justification for Yemenite practice, because what about Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is Shabbat Shabbat, there's no Ochel Nefesh. Yom Kippur, you cannot light a fire. So, the, so therefore, according to this reason, we shouldn't make a bracha on Yom Kippur either. On Yom Kippur, we should, on Yom Kippur, I'm sorry, Yom Kippur, we should make a bracha, because on Yom Kippur, the Karaites don't light fires, and we do, we light fires before Yom Kippur and let it burn on Yom Kippur, so we should make a bracha. The Yemenite custom apparently was not to make a bracha on Yom Kippur either, but the, the basic Yemenite custom not to make a bracha on Yom Tov could be understood, Rabbi Ratzabi suggested, in light of Rabbi Yaakov Sapir's idea that the, bracha, that the mitzvah of Hadlachas Ner Shabbos was uh, largely an anti-Tzadoki, anti-Karite polemic. Another Yemenite scholar, Rabbi Azariah Basis, makes the same point. He says that he says we can even though Chazal give other reasons for lighting the the Shabbos candles, Shalom Bayis, so there should be light in the house, Onig Shabbos and Kavod Shabbos and so on. However, he says the fact they made it into such a rigid and mandatory chiyuv that was again to the to to, to, to repudiate the, the heretical doctrines of those who said of those who said that you're uh, that you can't have fire on Shabbos and uh, and and so on. So therefore, it would make sense that on Yom Tov there's no such takana. And therefore, uh, and therefore, we we wouldn't make the bracha of the hadlik nerushal yom tov. So Rabbi Ratzabi, in his notes to this person's letter, he published this this Rabbi Azariah Basis's letter in his sefer, and in his own notes in the bottom of the letter, he writes that this idea that, that you're taking for granted that that this was a gaonic takana uh, for the bracha at least uh, as an anti karat polemic, he says you should know. That this is not the this is not the 
the what this is not the consensus of the Torah tradition. It's the opinion of Chalker Chitzoni Echad, a certain scholar who is Chitzoni, who's outside our tradition, and his name is Saiv. Saiv. Samach Yud Yud Vav. And some people have publicized his ideas, but you should know it's not really a. Uh, it's, it's the opinion of the heretical scholars, and it's not really an opinion of the of our tradition. Who is the scholar called Sev Samach Yud Yud Vav? So, in a share that he gave later, he explains who he was referring to. He Rabbi Ratzabi, a tremendously erudite Talmud Chacham, he trains his sights on another tremendously erudite Sfardik Chacham, Rabbi Meir Mazuz, also a legendary legendarily interesting and erudite contemporary Svardik Chacham. Rabbi Mazuz, when he was paraphrasing this discussion about Ner Shal Yom Tov, he says that, uh, that, that you can argue, according to what some Achronim say, that the bracha of Lahadlik Ner Shal Shabbos was anti-carried polemic made by the Gaonim, then we can argue that it doesn't make sense to make it on Yom Tov. Says Rabbi Ratzabi, Tzas Achronim? You are attributing this, this idea that it was anti-carried polemic from the time of the Gaonim to Tzas Achronim? to actual achronim? Absolutely not. He says, you know who said this? It was Isaac Hirsch Weiss. Isaac Hirsch Weiss was a maskil, was, a, was a, what he called, was an apikursim, comes from the heretics, from the, from the scholars, he says. Weiss is not an achron. He says, I alluded to this in my sefer. In my sefer, I said, this was the opinion of a chacham called saiv, samach yud yud vav. He says, you know what that means? I have the custom, Rabbi Ratzabi says, when I have to quote someone who I don't think deserves to be quoted, who's a controversial and problematic fellow, I reverse the letters of his name, and I write it like that. So I wanted to write Weiss, and I reversed the letters. Instead of Vav, Yud, Yud, Samach, I wrote Samach, Yud, Yud, Vav. And really, it was Isaac Hirsch Weiss who said this. It was not one of the Achron. He goes on. He says it was also Rabbi Yaakov Sapir, he says. He says he's also not such a uh, traditional thinker. He says he's not Hachi Chalak, he's not so glat. He's owed to Seder. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, uh, he didn't go off the deep end, he says. He didn't uh, cross the line. But he's also hit, hit Karev. He was, he's uh, close to the line, he says. He's not such an uh, uncontroversial thinker either, he says. I'm not really so familiar with uh, Rabbi Yaakov Sapir, so I don't know much about what he believed and didn't believe. But he says, you should know, there are such doctrines, and, and, but they're not really, they're not achronim. Rabbi Mazuz says achronim held this way. This is a very dubious idea. And it comes from the maskil, the heretics. Why is it such a problematic idea? It sounds like a harmless idea. What's, what's so controversial about saying that the bracha or even the mitzvah itself were instituted by the gaonim as a form of anti-Karite polemic? So Rabbi Ratabi explains, he says, academics you know, who, who don't accept the, the, the veracity of Taras Moshe, of Aramisara, he says, they have the attitude, anything they can't find absolute proof of, of being ancient, they try, they, they try to say it was later. They don't like the idea that our Masorah goes back uh, a really, for a really long time. Anything they can prove was actually as old as we say it is, they try to push forward the date as much as they can, which is counter to our idea of Masorah. So you see, he gives the example of Nekudos. There's a major discussion about the Nekudos, or the forms of the Nekudos, the shapes of the, the vowels that we use. There's a debate about how far back they go, whether they were relatively late... Uh, relatively late uh, introduction to, to, to Hebrew and Judaism or earlier. The scholars have this idea, anything that can't be absolutely proven that it was early, they say was late. This is an attitude we find problematic, he says, to so the idea that just because the Gemara doesn't happen to mention the bracha of Ner Shabbos, they want to say, oh, it must be a later edition, the first 
documented reference to the bracha of Ner Shal Shabbos is Gaonic. So we'll say it was from the Gaonim, we'll say it was a tactical maneuver, it wasn't a traditional, long-standing Jewish tradition. So the Rabbi Ratabi says this attitude, well, this, this, this claim that, that the Gaonim made up the bracha, it might not be strictly heretical, but it has to be understood in the context of the, the overall masculine theme of trying to, trying to make everything in Judaism as late as possible, and it's a problematic attitude, and it has no real support from the, no real support from the, the major acronym, the mainstream acronym, and therefore he's not pleased with, with Rabbi Mazuz for saying that this is a, uh, an opinion of Tzasmeh acronym. The, he also quotes Rabbi Yitzhak Yosef, Ravadi Yosef's son. Rabbi Yitzhak Yosef says that he also brings this idea that the minhag of Teman, the Yemenite minhag, can be supported by the idea that the bracha was anti-Karite polemic. And he says, Mepharshim, in the Medrash Tanchuma, bring this idea that the, that, that the, the mitzvah itself was, was an anti-Karite polemic. Says Rebbe Ratzabi, Tanchuma? Certainly not on the Tanchuma itself. Mepharshim of the Tanchuma? Rav Yosef, you're telling me you found commentaries on the Midrash Tanchuma, legitimate, authentic commentaries that say such a thing, that say that this is all part of anti-Karite polemic? So he says, nothing doing. He says, it's not in our Tanchuma. It's not in the regular Tanchuma. He says he heard... There's a new Tanchuma they found, a new version of the Tanchuma. It's actually confusing. It's actually an older version of the Tanchuma. It's, it's considered a Tanchuma Kadum, an earlier version. It was published later. It was discovered and published later. They call that the, the new Tanchuma or the old Tanchuma, depending on what perspective you have. So he says he got a copy of the new Tanchuma with the Mepharshim, and he found, indeed, that the Mepharshim are the new Tanchuma. Mepharshim are the new Tanchuma, indeed, make this point. What's the point that they make? So they say that in the standard Tanchuma, which came later apparently, in the, in the standard Tanchuma it says, it refers to Adlachas Ner Shabbos, and it says that you have to light Ner Shabbos. What's the alternative? The sin of the dark? That's not owning Shabbos. The, that the, that's what people who go to Gehenim do. People who are Yorde Gehenim, they sit in Choshech. Yoshve Choshech B'Tzalmavis. The Rishonim and Gehenim sit in the dark. We can't sit in the dark on Shabbos. That's, uh, that's contrary to Onik Shabbos. We have to be madlik ner Shabbos. In the earlier Tanchuma that was published later, this sentence does not appear. This whole reference to ner Shabbos and kind of mocking those who would sit in the dark as uh, being like the Yard Gehenim, this does not appear. So the, the Mepharshim of the Tanchuma comments that this is apparently was a later addition to the Tanchuma, because it doesn't appear in the early Tanchuma. And as a later addition, he suggests that it was a... A, uh, a later contemporary edition in the Gaonic period as a form of anti-Karite polemic. That it's not Onik, that what you do, you Karayim, what you do is stupid, you're sitting in the dark, that, that's not Onik Shabbos, that's uh, what the Yard of Gehenim do. So it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a barb directed against the Karayim. Who is the one who says this? Who, who are these Mepharshim of the Tanchuma who say this? Solomon Buber. Solomon Boomer, Solomon Boomer was the editor of this uh, new old Tanchuma, He's the one who proposes this idea. Who is Solomon Buber? Says the, says the, says Rabbi Ratzabi. I wouldn't call him an Akron either. He's Yodea Torah. He knows Torah. He's certainly an erudite person. Particularly, he knows manuscripts and he knows uh, text. He's certainly a, a good textual scholar. But he says, I wouldn't call him Legamri, not entirely among the Shlome Emune Yisrael, not entirely among the, the uncontroversial. Uh, of Klal Yisrael. His name is Shlomo Buber, Solomon Buber. Who beseder, he says, he's not a heretic, but he's, uh, he's in the middle of the road between the Haredim and the Maskilim. 
He's the one who says this, he says. But once again, the source for the idea that the mitzvah of Hadlachas Ner Shabbos or that the bracha of Hadlachas Ner Shal Shabbos, the, 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 source, the, the sources of those who, propo- those who propose this, they are not achronim, they're various maskilim or quasi-maskilim, Isaac Hirschweiss, Rabbi Yaakov Sapir, and Salomon Buber. So just coming back full circle, though, we began by noting that they've discovered this, this passage of Rabbi Ephraim Avuna, one of the Rishonim, he says, come out the same thing about the bracha of Sviris Omer, the same idea that the bracha of Lahadak Ner Shabbos was instituted by the Gaonim as anti-Karat polemic. He says also it was instituted by Chachamim as an anti, uh, again, Tzaduki by Tusi, Karat polemic. So the basic idea, he certainly wasn't motivated by Haskalah, this, this is a fairly, uh, you know, this is a fairly off-the-beaten-path source. Rabbi Ephraim of Buna, again, the Balitosis deal with this question. The standard Tosis we have don't give this answer. But there is one apparently medieval source, one source that was, assuming it's authentic, that was not motivated by, by scholarly ideology and, uh, and, and, and an interest in history, who just said that he thought, uh, that uh, similar to the idea of Isaac Hirschweiss, etc., he thought that that was the idea, Rabbi Ephraim of Buna thought that was the idea of the Brachan Sphere Omer, we see how, how critical this machlokis was in the time of Chazal. Ten different reasons, ten different derivations of the position of Chazal that Machras Shabbos means the day after Yom Tov, not the day after Shabbos. And he suggested that's, that's why I make a bracha on Sfiris Omer and not on Sfiris Zayin Nikiyim, because Sfiris Omer, it was important to make a, uh, a public, a clear public repudiation of Karite Torah. One final point on this topic there is a similar, perhaps better-known discussion about Cholent. There's an idea that appears in the Gaonim. The Gaonim were asked, there's a truth of the Gaonim, they were asked about the laws of Atmana. The laws of Atmana on Shabbos are complicated, heating something up even before Shabbos and wrapping it. So the, that's called Atmana. There are complicated halachas about how to do that. So the Gaonim were asked about, to, to clarify and explain some of the laws of Atmana. So they oblige and they explain some of the halachas of Atmana. And then, then they write, the chitzonim, the, the students of Baitus, the sectarians that uh, made their bones rot, he says, they led astray uh, so many people, he says. The Gaonim said they, they, they had these terrible, terrible errors of how to interpret Torah. And they said, because you can't have anything hot on Shabbos, you can't, you can't have any fires that are burning on Shabbos. They say, that's absolutely wrong, the Gaonim explained, Chacham never answered that. The Midrabanan, they said you can't keep a fire with something on top of it in certain cases because they were afraid you would stoke the fire on Shabbos, but Midraisa, that's absolutely not Los Tavarulesh. And the Gaonim say, anyone who avoids eating hot food on Shabbos, we excommunicate him because Derech Minas, because he is apparently uh, harboring sectarian uh, doctrines, sectarian dogmas. We have to get him out. He's a danger to the, the body politic of Klal Yisrael. We have to investigate, they, the Gaonim said. Why don't you want to eat chalent? Why are you not eating hot food? If it's because of Choli, who he's sick and he can't tolerate the food, or Bisham Panam he doesn't like that kind of food, he doesn't enjoy chalent, but not because of any uh, heretical ideology, fine, then, uh, then, then we let him go. He doesn't need to be uh, punished and reproved for that. However, we should warn him and inform him that make sure you understand it's important to have Onik Shabbos, the way the Chan established it with Atman HaSachamen, that's not a, a mortal offense not to eat shalom if you don't like it, but we should tell him that Chazal said you're supposed to have hot food on Shabbos. But if the reason you're avoiding the hot food is, if the reason really is because you don't accept Chazal's understanding of Los Tzvaroesh, that such a person is worthy of being put in Cheir. This idea is also expressed by the Balamar of Zrachi Halevi. 
he says that Yesh Amrim, he brings this Gaonic idea that some say that, that it's, it's an ancient Takana of Chazal, of the Kadmonim, to, uh, to, to, to be Ma'anek Shabbos with hot food. Anyone who doesn't eat hot food, we have to uh, investigate whether he's a heretic, a sectarian, and he forfeits his privileges of being a member of Klai Yisrael if he does. And he says, someone who does eat hot food, who accepts the Tarash Balpeh, who accepts the Messiah the Chachamim, he's someone who believes and will merit the, the, the blessings of Mashiach, he says. And then, then he has a somewhat uh, difficult-to-understand comment, which he might be, uh, he might be uh, dissenting from this, and he might think this is going a little bit too far or not. But in any event, this was an old idea also, just like we find when it comes to... When, just like we, fa- we found this uh, somewhat dubious maskilic idea that the bracha of Ner Shabbos was instituted, or even the whole mitzvah was instituted as an anti-carat polemic, just as we saw Rabbi Ephraim of Buna says the bracha of Sfiris HaOmer was instituted as anti-carat polemic, just as the Mishnah says that the Omer would be cut with great fanfare and public announcements as a repudiation of the Baitusi doctrine, so too there is a Gaonic idea that, that there's, a, there's a mitzvah, takana, to eat hot food on Shabbos, to show that we reject the Karite idea of not having any, any fire in your house on Shabbos. And according to some opinion, someone who refuses to eat hot food on Shabbos we suspect him of sectarian tendencies. Of course, there's a possibility, just doesn't like the food, in which case he's not a sectarian, but we encourage him to eat hot food because that was a takana, they say, of the Chachamim, to eat hot food as a, as a concrete and public repudiation of the, of the Karite doctrine, the Karite interpretation of Lo Sivaro Eish, B'chol Moshe Vosechem, B'yom HaShabbos.